Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. We are back. We survived the 50th anniversary celebration and we live to tell the tale. I'm Ryan Patrick. He's Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Patrick. I'm just laying down now. I'm going to do this podcast laying down. <laughs> it was quite an event we had out there. It really was. We were out at Malibu Creek State Park, formerly known as the Fox Ranch, which is where the exterior shots of MASH were filmed. And on the actual 50th anniversary, we spent the day out there with a lot of MASH fans celebrating and recording and toasting MASH's 50th. It was really fun. Okay, I'm getting up. I'm going to sit up in bed. (laughs) So it was really fun out there, wasn't it? I mean, I I have not been out there in years and years and years and years and years. So when I got out of the car and I started, you and I started walking around, memories came flooding into my head and I kind of turned into a zombie because I, I couldn't process it all quick enough. And I went, oh my God, that's where we did that. And that's where I did that. And this is where they had this happened. And seeing all that stuff, it was really, really fun. And I'm I'm wondering if you had the same kind of feeling. Uh, no, I hated every second of it. That's what I, I assume. never yeah, want to go back. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yep, yep. We had the privilege of being able to drive in. And as we're driving through and approaching it, we get to this area and, and I see the old burned out Jeep. And I think, oh, there's the Jeep. So we're here. <laughs> My very first instinct was, oh, we're here? This This is it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> because oh it's so small. It's such a small area. Yeah. It's a little disconcerting when you're sitting there and trying to think, wow, how did they fit the entire compound yeah. into this little area? Mm-hmm. But if you go around and walk around, you'll see these different signs that they've put up there at the ranch. You see, here's where you are. If you were standing in the compound with all the tents, here's where you are. So if you look to your right, that's where the OR would be. The mess tent is over here. This is where the swamp is. And then your mind, you start to kind of start piecing it together in your brain where everything was. Yes. But, you know, it's amazing how on TV... They can take something that is so small and compact and make it look so much larger with wide angle lenses and the way that they shoot it and the angles and everything, because it's not a very big area at all. It's really not. And one thing I I wasn't happy about in the signs that they do have out showing you, you you are here and it's showing the tents over there. They didn't show you where Igor shot the bugle out of radar's hand. That's what I think they should have had. I'm going to talk to them about that and see if they can set that up, because I think it's an important yeah. <laughs> a milestone Absolutely. for that property. Yeah, I think we need some sort of statue out there. Even better. Built of uh, weenies, <laughs> of you and the cannon. <laughs> a statue, a weenie statue, yeah. I'll work on that. Shout out to Brian Rooney and the, and the gang out there at Malibu Creek State Park for maintaining that area. They do a really nice job. And, you know, you walk up to the helipad, which, again, I got up to the helipad and I said, this is it because it's not very big. You know, you're, you're standing up there and you're thinking, my goodness, how did they get a helicopter to land on this postage stamp up here? But they did somehow. And in fact, one of my understanding is that Robert Altman had two helicopters up on the helipad running at the same time and how nobody was killed in that scene. I do not know. <laughs> I don't know how he was able to get two helicopters up there when I don't even think there was room enough for one. It's interesting, you know, you'd say that, but Robert, Robert Altman, because one forgets kind of 
that all that whole property, that whole thing was built for the movie MASH, not for the TV show. Right. The TV show benefited from it because it lasted there. It didn't they didn't knock it all down. So when they decided to do the TV show, there it all was. Right. But that was only built for the film, not the show. Yes. I remember the helicopter being on the on the helipad. And at the time I actually, I walked up there and I was doing something with them or whatever. And I remember, I, I, I thought this helicopter is dinky. <laughs> this is a little dinky helicopter. This isn't a big, you know, wop, 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 wop. this is a little tiny kind of whirly bird helicopter that you, you know, maybe buy at Costco or something. Th- this was small. Accurate, yeah, but quite small. So that's why they were able to get the darn thing on a small piece of property because they're small. Hmm. But I agree. I don't know how two of them. Two of them would have been a little crowded. So I don't know how they got two of them in there too. They they did something really cool that morning too. Is they took a, a cutout of radar from the opening uh, title sequence when radar is looking at the choppers coming in as the music begins to play. They put it up in the exact spot where he was looking, so you could go over and pose with radar's back and look off in the horizon at the at the mountains and reenact that moment and if you go to our our website mashmatters.com the show notes for this episode you'll see my back and radar's back looking off at the mountains (laughs) you'll also find some other pictures taken by our friend dan harrison and we'll talk about dan here in just a minute but it was a fun time and we had a lot of people come out we had a fundraiser for the grounds there we did breakfast we did photos and then we sat down and spoke with a lot of these folks and recorded it for the podcast, which is what you're going to hear today. You're going to hear portions of those interviews, MASH fans who came out and celebrated the 50th at Malibu Creek State Park with us. It was really cool. It was really fun. I was very moved by the emotional impact that MASH has had on everybody who was there because they were there because of MASH. And hearing the stories that you're going to hear on uh, coming up in a minute is remarkable. The importance that the show had to folks and how it changed their lives and what it did. You know, I've said this a million times. Sorry, I'll say it one more time. I'm totally moved by it. Never expected to hear these kinds of things. Didn't know it was happening. But boy, am I thrilled and uh, very happy and grateful to have heard everybody and heard the messages that they were so kind to to give about the show. And you're going to hear those stories right now. Here are our conversations with MASH fans live from the ranch. Isn't this exciting? This is exciting. So we have a couple of guests here, and uh, these are some uh, familiar faces for us because they uh, support us on Patreon. Hello. Introduce yourselves. I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. So My name is Jeff Mack. you. Oh, I'm talking sorry. about our guests. Oh, the guests. Yes, the guests. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Pittenger. Hi. And I'm Carrie Gajowski. Yes, yes. And uh, Say that three times real fast. Okay. Now, this is not the first time you've been out here at the uh, the ranch. You've been out here many times because I've seen you post about it on Facebook. You you run one of the Facebook fan groups. Which one is it? I run uh, MASH the Series. with a, There's a group of like nine of us that run MASH the Series, uh, the fan page, and the group. Okay. We have about 10,000 people in that. You come out here a lot. Why? Why do you like to come out here? Well, Becky here uh, used to live here. Uh, about in a half the hour. You lived here in no, the, in the, in the park, the, right the here. Coyotes, <laughs> the Which tent was yours? Yeah. Yeah. But until until August, uh, Becky lived about a half hour from here. So I would just hop in the car five thirty in the morning, get out here about six thirty. I would do live videos at the helicopter pad. Nobody would be out here. And so it was just really, I felt like this is a sacred pil- pilgrimage of sorts oh my uh, goodness, for me. It's, it's, 
I have been a fan. I'm 52. I've been a fan since I was nine. Um, and so I just, this is like just, people have religion. I have MASH. <laughs> Seriously. <No. laughs> I wish I was kidding. What did it do for you at nine years old? What, how did it engage you? I had a lot of loss. Um, a lot of things happened to me. I had a great aunt that passed away, and I think MASH got me through that experience for me. And so... In, in what way? How did it, how did MASH get you through? Was it the comedy? It made you laugh or made you think? What, what was it that got you through? When I was that young, it was, honestly, it was McLean Stevenson playing Henry Blake. He is my absolute favorite character because when I was nine, I didn't understand the depth of the show. And so he made me laugh. And I I just love his humor. So to this day, he is my absolute favorite character. Mm. Well, a secret. Uh, McLean Stevenson was actually the funniest guy on the set. And he used to, between scenes, he used to do little comedy riffs. So they'd say cut, and then they're going to kind of reset. And McLean would just go off. He'd say, somebody would say strawberry, and he'd go, whoa, strawberry. And he would talk for, you know, 10 minutes on strawberries, and everybody was falling on the floor because he was so funny. And they finally had to say, McLean, shut up. We have to do the show. Uh, so you, you were in good company there and, and your appreciation for him. He was a very, very funny man. Now, now, Becky, what's your association with the show? Yeah, you know, my parents watched it. So so me and my brother started watching. I, I can't remember exactly what age. I think I was in third grade when I was old enough for it not to be past my bedtime. And... It, <laughs> You know, and I just love the show from from the start. I mean, I think with what, speaking to what Carrie said, like, you know, as a kid, you don't necessarily appreciate the depth of it. So the humor kind of draws you in. But, you know, in, in eighth grade, I was going through a tough time, not not as hard as what Carrie described. But um, MASH kind of got, got me through that hard time because it felt like the characters were kind of a family. And, you know, I love Charles Emerson Winchester. He's just I, I feel like I can relate to him yeah. in an interesting way. So so, you know, so just it, it was all. Almost, almost kind of like an escape, you know, I could just kind of go into this place where these, you know, incredible people, you know. So, yeah, that was nice. my experience. Very nice. <laughs> and uh, what brilliant move uh, caused you to do the brilliant thing to find MASH Matters podcast? <laughs> Uh-oh, I've stumped her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No idea. Wow. I honestly don't know where I found the podcast, but I found Alan Alda's podcast. I, I was avid. I still am an avid listener of his podcast. And somewhere I have found you guys on Instagram or Facebook or something, and I listen to you every single time you release an episode. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Very wise of you. So you're the one. Thank you. You're the one. Yeah, okay. I'm the one. I'm the I was one. curious who that was. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Thank you for running the Facebook group, and thanks for supporting the show. We appreciate that. Yeah, well, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Joy Albee. And I'm Mark Prater. You two have never met before, right? We just, we put you together. We've thrust you together uh, to talk about MASH. But you both have something in common. You're both uh, majors on uh, Patreon. So first of all, thank you for that. Joy, I'll start with you. What brought you to MASH? So I watched MASH from the pilot to the final episode. And I was sitting on my grandmother's floor and I heard the helicopters 
behind me, the TV was on. And I thought, it's not dinner time, because <laughs> that's normally when we were busy watching the Vietnam War was during dinner oh, time. Wow. And so I started, I mean, I literally watched it from the very first shot and thought, this is fascinating and got sucked in from the very beginning and, and stayed with it because of the incredible character development. And I just found myself identifying with every single one of the characters. Mm. And I think the biggest thing I was telling Jeff earlier that it was the first time I ever saw a woman with men standing on her own. Hmm. And it really stood out to me. And uh, I know that I became what I am. I'm the Federal Women's Program Manager for the Federal Aviation Administration. And I know I do that for a living. And I fought hard in the fire service for as long as I did because of Margaret Houlihan. I know it. Wow. I promised that we would uh, tell Loretta that. So yes. that's a promise. We will keep. Yeah. And Mark, how did you find the show? Uh, through my dad. When I was young, I lost my mom. And for several years thereafter, until my dad met his fiance, it was just him and I. Hmm. And um, we just sat down one night, and he had been a longtime fan previously, and I had never even really seen the show. But we sat down, and I we started watching it, and I just got addicted. I got hooked. I would record on VHS tapes, and I would binge in the days of, of, of no binging, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. it was just a lot of fun. And um, it just had such an impact on me. And over the years, it's just had even more of an impact on me because I started to understand a lot about the characters and what they were going through and the, honestly, the life lessons that I feel that MASH taught. Wow. So when, when it really grabbed you and it first, you first engaged you, what, what, what about it? Was it the story? Were the characters, were they funny or what, what was it? All the above, you? but it was the humanity of the show. Like I said, I feel it teaches life lessons on how one should be in the world. Mm. Not many shows have had that impact on me, and I'm sure other people who are here today can also um, agree. It, MASH is very special because if it can teach those lessons to people, that's quite an impact. And, of course, the characters and everything else is just, to me, icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. so. When you come out here and you see this set and you look at look around, do you get touched emotionally by Absolutely. it? Does it, does it get to you? Yes, sir. Um, I've been here for, uh, I think, four times. And um, just being here, uh, I've been here a couple of times by myself. Nobody here. And um, just to look out on the chopper pad and see everything. First of all, I think of my dad primarily and the, and the fun times that we had just watching the show together. But it's very emotional to be out here in, in the best of ways. So, so awesome. Wonderful. Beautifully put. Thank you. Joya, have, is this your first visit to the... This is absolutely my first visit and 50 years in the making. I've always wanted to come out here. Yeah. What does it mean to be out here, especially to be out here on the 50th anniversary of the pilot? So, uh... Last night I drove out because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get lost. <laughs> and I was the only one there standing at the gate and immediately got overwhelmed. Mm. It's really hard to put into words what MASH is, what it has been, and what it will be the rest of my life. And my kids say I'm the biggest dork <laughs> because cause I do this and I'm not normally this emotional person, but it, it's overwhelming. I mean, it's hard to, it really is hard to put into words. And I, I, it wasn't just Margaret. When I look at every single one of those characters, I know my character, everything I have is because of them, because of a little piece of their humanity. I see it in me. That's beautiful. My goodness gracious. Who knew? You know, we had no idea this was going on when we were out here running around, you know, doing the work. We had no idea this was happening. And the fact that it is continuing to happen, it's stunning. Is it not stunning, Ryan Patrick? You were just trying to fend off the yellow jackets. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> 
frightening. And but get your paycheck. That's all. The- <laughs> <laughs> Survive the yellow jacket and get paid. Yeah, that was my job. Well, that's really remarkable. Two great stories. It really warms my heart. And I say this, I start sounding really corny to myself, but it, it is an amazing experience for me to hear this. Thank you for saying it and for sharing it with us. We really appreciate it. And thank you for being here. Well, thank you for holding this. Thank you this. for holding this. It's Absolutely. So awesome. yeah, this awesome. We'll never be able to repay either one of you. Okay, let's talk to Tina. Hi. Hi, Hi Tina. Tina. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Where are you from? I am uh, originally from the San Fernando Valley, but I'm in Sacramento now. All right. Didn't like the valley? Uh, got sick of that? Uh, uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. It yeah. got overcrowded. <laughs> <laughs> so what brings you out here today? Uh, well, same thing as everybody else, MASH. Well, I found it around middle school for me, reruns when I was ditching school and staying home and not where I was, should have been, but luckily found MASH. And for me, it was Alan Alda. My father had recently left, and he kind of became a pseudo-father figure for me, and mm. what a good one to have. Yeah. And since you were his stand-in, you were kind of a pseudo-pseudo-father figure for me. Oh, <laughs> well, how do you like that? A pseudo-pseudo-father. Stand-in dad. Stand-in dad. Hey, that's a good idea for a series. There you go. Oh, stand-in dad. dad. It's a sitcom. Oh, <laughs> write that down. Oh, write that we got to do that. Stand-in okay. dad. <laughs> Originally, it was probably a crush on him. Sure. Um, but that's the way in. But once you get in, you just can't find your way out. And who would want to? <laughs> yeah, great point. That's how I feel about this podcast. Yeah. Once you got in I'm and really enjoying it. Just cannot get out of it now. We're in. Well, uh, you know, Alan Alda is a very special human being. And I think I said earlier, he's a brilliant improvisational actor. And he was a very, it still is a very, very funny guy. Yes. Do you listen to his podcast as well? I do, yeah. yeah. Um, I listen while I'm at work. I have a lot of time to listen. So mm-hmm. I listen to yours. I listen to his. I listen to a few others. So Well, you don't have much work going on then. I mean, what are you well, doing? I, w- I listen while I work. Oh, while you work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you do, may I ask? I'm a pet groomer. Oh, wow. So if you lived out here, I assume this is not your first visit to? Actually, it is. Oh, it is. It really? is. Yeah. I tried to hike out here once about, um, it would have been about 86 or 87, a couple years after the show ended. And they didn't have all these wonderful improvements to the trail. Yeah. And I got stuck right there where they put that bridge in. Couldn't get past. There was a raging river going by at the time. And we had, oh, no. It had recently rained. And so I couldn't get past there. So I just stayed there with my friend and had a good time there. But I was so close. But yeah, it's my first time out. <laughs> what does it make you feel when you see this? Is it fun to... Um, I feel almost honored to be standing, you know, in the same place that my favorite show was made. Because it had such an impact on my life. You know, it's, it's just really cool to be here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank Good you luck. for being here. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us. We have a very special guest here. We, <laughs> sorry, he's not going to get away that easy. Um, name is, uh, well, introduce yourself just to say hi. Hi, I'm Dan Harrison. And Dan, what do you do for a living? I'm the executive vice president of Fox Entertainment. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ooh, and he's here with a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, along with being a, a Fox executive, uh, you have a, a very special bond with this television show called MASH. I wouldn't be here without it. Can you just share a little bit of that? Uh, we're going to talk to you later at another podcast as well, but just share a little bit of that with us today, if you can. I grew up in upstate New York in a small town, and I mailed a letter to a guy whose name I saw on a lot of the, my favorite MASH episodes, and there was no internet at that point, so I had no idea of knowing who anybody was other than what they were on MASH. It's not like you 
click a name in and find out somebody's biography. Then we're talking about the early mid 80s and it was Larry Gelbart. And I mailed a letter care of 20th Century Fox and you know, he wasn't working there any longer, but somebody in the mailroom took pity on me and forwarded that letter to Larry's home and became a friendship and mentorship that lasted uh, for about 25 years until the end of his life and really introduced me to television. So without wow. MASH and being curious about the show that I loved, I wouldn't be here in beautiful Malibu, California. Yeah. Interesting that you, as a young guy, uh, just decided to write a letter and took a chance. You know, I think that says a lot about what we can all do is to take that chance. You know, oh, gee, I shouldn't do this. Or I, might, I might not be. But you took a chance and you wrote a letter and it turned into a lifelong and situation. I had no idea what, what was going to come of it. I certainly didn't do it with any grand vision of it impacting my life. I just was curious about the show and how it was put together. And I'm sure my letter was, you know, one page, my first letter. It's not yeah. like it was, you know, yeah. a thousand questions long, but obviously Larry saw something in it and kept writing. And we exchanged hundreds of letters over the years and, of course, met in person many times and spoke on the phone and email, Yeah, you know, until he passed. Well, he was a very special man and uh, with a very special um, intellect and feeling for humanity. And we've talked, the word humanity comes up during the, the whole discussions about MASH and watching episodes. But it came, I think, a lot, not only from the uh, actual events that really created the stories for MASH, but from a writer like Larry Galbart, who could take those actual events and instill so much humanity into it. And that was him. You know, yeah. when you watch MASH, you were looking at that man's brain. And I have to say, you know, he introduced me at the, the whole, primarily the writing staff. And that's, they all were very encouraging. And so I learned a lot about television. I remember the, I, I asked him after a few months, could I see a page of a script? Because I imagined it would, you know, it was the size of a phone book that it would have to describe everything in minute detail. And he sent me a page and I was, oh, OK, that's about one minute of the show. So a script is only 30 odd pages. So, you know, a couple of letters later, I asked him for a whole script and he sent me a whole script. And so <laughs> so I, you know, I, I got my sea legs about me and I was started when I was 12. So, again, I wasn't looking for a career, but I had a thirst for understanding and turned that into where I am. And it's fun to come out here and look at the... Uh, oh, yeah. Of course, it's my you know, third or fourth time coming out here over the years. And it's always special and great to be here on the anniversary and with you guys and part of this. And what's better than that? What's your name? Uh, it's Adam. Where are you from? I am from Cleveland, but I live here now. It's about oh, seven years. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Have you right. been out here to the ranch before? Yeah, I was telling Jeff earlier several times... Uh, when I first came out here in 2013, just to like scope out if I wanted to live here, I was like, I'm going to go hike MASH. And then it's unfortunately because of COVID and everything, I kind of had a few years off. But I try to make it out here once a year just to be at the set. And going up that way actually is like really awesome. It's beautiful. So this is a great like halfway point to do lunch and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about your connection with the show. So growing up, Back in Cleveland, my mom would watch it on reruns all the time. And I sort of see it out of the corner of my eye, but I never knew what it was. I was like six, seven years old. And uh, one night 
when I was about 14, I got kind of like queasy. And my mom had always told me, if you feel sick, get a can of like Coca-Cola and just sip it. And it'll settle your stomach. So I woke up and we had just gotten digital cable. So we had like 300 channels and there was nothing on. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And I get to our local Fox affiliate and I see mesh because when you see that in the TV guide, it's bold, you know, all caps with the stars, you, it stands out to you. So uh, I watched a hodgepodge of episodes, The Price of Tomato Juice, 38 Across, and I uh, can't remember the third one, but I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then I woke up the next day and I was like, hey, mom, I watched that MASH show you've always talked about. And she was like, yeah, did you like it? And I was like, I love it. So she bought me the first season and the movie on a DVD. And now I've seen the show five times through completely, watched the movie dozens of times. Yeah, it's just, it left an indelible mark that summer that I started watching it, I had to do a summer reading for my high school English class. And so it was like, I had a regimen. I woke up every day, I watched four episodes of MASH, did some reading, had some lunch, watched four more episodes of MASH. I was like, I was living like a military lifestyle, but just like on my couch, just watching the TV <laughs> show and stuff. And then like, you know, watching all of you guys perform is just, yeah. I mean, I was telling some people over there I met, like, I didn't even realize until recently rewatching the show for the sixth time, like I just kind of like became really glib and I was like, why am I like this? And then I was like, it's because I've watched Hawkeye for, my, <laughs> for the past 17 years. And it's like, I just, you guys all rubbed off of me. Like you're just like the quick wit and just some of the stuff you said to Major Burns and Major Winchester, like, I'm just like, oh, I'm like that. That's probably got me into a little trouble in my life. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's just the very least, the greatest American television show that's ever been made. Like it's, I, I go back and rewatch it and I see how it's influenced, like how it's pushed the envelope. Cause you know, MASH gets lumped in with Gomer Pyle now. And that's just like, no disrespect to Gomer Pyle, but like MASH is not Gomer Pyle. Well, golly. Exactly. For saying that. But yeah, MASH is just like, it's just an excellent show and you know, it's just aged so well. And like you watch it now and you see like stuff we're talking about now is stuff that mash was talking about back in the 70s and, yeah, and still is and that's why why the, the show prevails really i think that's what it is it, we're, we're talking about the same things that mash talked about we're still talking about yeah. in 2022 that's what's so magnetic about it and i think that's why people come back to it i mean yep. you know i used to think i was weird for watching it because it the finale was seven years before i was ever born and you know i see people younger than me watching it now and it's just like yeah it, it's left an indelible mark on pop culture Nowadays, when you get queasy, do you grab a Coke and turn on mash? Uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to stay away from carbonation. So, yeah, I get some mint and gum if I ever see Jeff on the TV. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Introduce yourself. My name is Edward Gibbons Brown. And where are you from? I am from Brooklyn, New York. And you are one of our Patreon yes. VIPs also. Do we salute? I'll salute. Jeff, that's not a salute. No. Put your finger down. I'm chewing gum and I have fish on some of my hats, so I better not, uh, I better be careful. <laughs> so, uh, what brings you to MASH? Well, uh, I was about 10 years old at the time. Uh, it was airing off and on FX. And the first episode that I saw, I think sort of at random, uh, was The Moon is Not Blue hmm. from season 10, which is, it's a great episode, but maybe not the most auspicious one to see for the first time, but it hooked right. me nevertheless. Um, I think... At the time, as a 10-year-old child, I think it was the cleverness, um, the anti-authoritarianism, the humor that hooked me. Although since then, my relationship to MASH has matured and developed and evolved to the extent that it feels basically a part of my DNA at this point. Wow. It's That's... a show that, that can grow with you. You know, I, I, I'm now 34. <laughs> you youngster. You young whippersnapper, you. <laughs> I don't feel like it. Um, 
and I and I go to it now and find I still find new things in it. I still find a new way to relate to it and to, and to engage with it. And it still means things to me in new and different ways than it would have certainly at ten years old. But then additionally throughout hmm. all the intervening years, there's always been something new for me to find in Mesh. Is this your first time out to uh, the it park is. here? Yeah. What do you think? You know, um, it's it's profound. Um, because, you know, I, especially through my teen years, I related to MASH in, in sort of very nerdy ways. Um, you know, I would I would tape record them on VHS, which I'm old enough to remember yep, uh, off the TV yep. um, for younger viewers. Uh, that's uh, something we used to do. Um, and uh, <laughs> What the heck is that VHS thing? <laughs> and I had the, uh, the Susie Coulter book, the complete book of MASH. Yes. And I would do what this podcast has termed the Coulter method, yeah. where I would track how many episodes I had recorded and, and try to complete the set and uh for the longest time major topper never aired and i never saw it it became like a white whale for me and uh, uh ping pong was mine ping pong was yours yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> yeah it just never aired yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally it did and and you know again not the most auspicious episode but right. so, you know uh <laughs> but uh, i finally found you know was able to complete the set um but in addition to that i also uh would scrutinize i would i would freeze frame it and scrutinize and and, and try to draw charts of the arrangement of the tents and i would look at where's the mountain and look at the landscape. Mm-hmm. So just the the simple fact of being amongst these mountains and 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 amongst you know this particular topography is 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 profound to me. I mean it's it's yeah. like a little surreal and and very meaningful. Yeah, to to walk the the hollowed ground. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, you're walking across the ground. <clears throat> I remember Alan said that as he came out of the OR, that was the set of the OR over there. As he came out and he walked across the the camp, he said, I gained Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. As I walked across, Hawkeye came to me. Mm-hmm. So you're walking the, the steps that Alan Alda took to figure out who Hawkeye was. Yeah. And yeah. you look like Hawkeye. That's today. right. Yeah. <laughs> so it works. When you walk across here, you become Hawkeye. Yes. Um, which, which you know, I think probably like a lot of people who came to the show young, I, I did have that immediate sort of hero worship uh, for Hawkeye as a role model, not just for his, you know, his wit and, and kind of anti-authoritarian streak, but especially as I, as I matured for the empathy and the compassion, you know, and, and that's how I've matured in my relationship to the show. Whereas at a younger age, I was more drawn to uh, the, the angrier side of it, of the absurdity and, and the, the raging against, against it. Um, now I'm, I'm more drawn to the radical kindness of MASH and, and the compassion. It's been a, a way to see positive, compassionate, kind interactions, which, which especially in my early life, I did not have role models for that in Mesh. Was that for me? Thank cool. you for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so All much. the way from Brooklyn. To paraphrase BJ, I can't imagine what this place would have been like if I hadn't found Mesh here. Oh, oh, very nice. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. very, you. very, very nice. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Very well expressed. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Derek Wade. I'm Jamie Wade. Hello, Wades. Hello. Hello. Hey. I'm so happy to be here and so thankful that you all came out to do something special this day. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, yeah, drove over from Phoenix and uh, just wanted to be here for this auspicious day. And MASH has been a part of our lives forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our thing for sure. Is this your first time coming here to the, the ranch? No, we came out in 2019. Okay. And it was around 4th of July and it was so hot. So yeah. we're very thankful that it's a nice it's day. It's been very today. nice today. It's lovely. Yeah, so far, yeah. Beautiful weather. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. weather. Yes. for this event. Absolutely perfect. I don't know what you were always complaining about, Jeff. This is actually <laughs> very pleasant. <laughs> I like to complain. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so w- 
tell us about your connection with MASH. So I don't remember a time not watching MASH. Uh, we're both in our 50s. And so like one of the, the ladies said earlier on the TV always when we were young was the Vietnam War and everything. But at some point in the evening, once a week, our family would gather and watch MASH and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I remember very vividly watching the very, very last episode. And then as I grew up and went through um, high school and college and post-college, just it was always on TV. And it's something that through different seasons in your life, you can relate to very, very differently as a young person who could have been going to war and going through that and then being a parent and having kids that could have been there and just looking at it from different aspects and especially the humanity. We were watching the episode the other day and I'm terrible at remembering names of episodes, but there was a North Korean that was on the transport. He had been very seriously injured and Frank said, no, all the Americans go first and all the allies and he goes last and Hawkeye says, no, he is the most injured person. And just seeing that humanity, that it doesn't matter what your background is. Some people go forward because of what they need Mm -hmm. and how we can care for people at where they are and what they need. My goodness, I'm learning so much today. (laughs) (laughs) You should really watch the show, Jeff. You should, Jeff. I've got to start watching this thing. I hear there's a really good episode about ribs or something. (laughs) Really? Oh, I love ribs. So do I. Uh, Derek, your connection with the show. Well, as Jimmy said also, I I do remember catching, I think it was probably the last finale um, in first run, and saw it a couple times before that when I was still as a kid. Um, I can't recall my parents actually watching it, but my family has always had a connection to the military. My father served in the Army. My grandfather was actually a surgeon and did serve in the Korean War and World War II, I believe, yes. Um, and actually, my grandfather was a consultant to uh, Mr. Nathanson when writing The Dirty Dozen. Oh, wow. And so um, there's always been a military connection in that respect. And actually, my grandmother, she always had MASH on as well because it, she said that it helped her realize and connect with what he went through being away hmm. um, so much from the family and my mom as well. And I think from that, I, I later on gained a respect and a, a, a admiration for what the show represented. But also to me, uh, the humanitarianism of it and also the message of and look what Jamie just said is that people are people and it doesn't matter what your background is and so forth. Um, my parents really instilled in me about that, being blind to everything about any attribute of a person, but they're people. And you treat everyone the same, you respect everyone the same. And um, I, I still hold that as a tenant of myself in the sense of like always trying to treat people as fairly and honorably as so forth as I can. So, And you learned that first from your parents, but managed to help support that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Definitely. exactly. And, the, and, and that was unusual back in that day where people weren't always treated in real life and on TV that way. And like a gentleman said earlier, they touched on subjects during MASH that were kind of taboo, Yeah, but mm-hmm. treated it with complete kindness and humanity. I love the episode where Hawkeye is talking to the fellow that says, yeah, there was a black guy and a homosexual that were beaten up by our thing. And he goes, oh, well, that was very interesting. You don't look black mm-hmm. <laughs> or something yeah. to that yeah. effect. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so honorable and so respectful. And other shows at the time were making fun of they were definitely making fun of it and for me as a female growing up seeing such a strong character in margaret Mm -hmm. that women can be women and women aren't always the second fiddle 
that they can be leaders and they can be respected. So many shows didn't show that back then. Yeah, definitely a landmark show. Mm. I mean, and we enjoy it still to this day. So we watch at least <laughs> an episode a night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> still do. You know, every time through. Yeah, you say that like it's a bad thing. I no, no, not at all. <laughs> and everybody can relate to it. I mean, who cannot relate to creamed weenies? You know? I know. Gosh. On that note, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Hi, introduce yourselves. Um, Bill Scott. And Jolie Scott. And where are you from? Uh, Seattle, Washington. Oh, wow. You came here from Seattle? Yes. Wow. Just for this, we planned about... A year ago. Yeah. How yep. about that? Great t-shirts, too. They yeah. Mash 477 a, on them. Yeah. Yeah, from a local store in our hometown. Oh, oh great. Nice. nice. Very yes. cool. He brought his beverage with him, too. Oh, you got oh, some grape knee high. Appropriate. That's great. So tell us about your history with Mash. So... Uh, MASH has been a part of my life ever since I can remember. Uh, I was six years old, and I made like a, ma- a swamp sign for my bedroom door. Huh. And then and then so I was the only six-year-old that made his own still. Um, <laughs> was it really working? Well, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> for a six-year-old, right? With, with water. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. sure. You know, sometimes, well, that's you know, what MASH will do for you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes punch. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of rigged it up. But, yeah, I, was, I, I think I was the only kid that had a... Uh, still, but um, yeah, I, I love the show so much. From you know, even you know, I don't know, I was this tall maybe, but uh, to even to this day, um, I watch Mash basically every day. I'm like you, but you have more memory retention. Who me? I, not you. Oh no, <laughs> Ryan. I'm crying about Mash. Ryan. Uh, we all have more memory yeah. retention than you, Jeff. Yeah. And we you guys have the best podcast. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Definitely. I appreciate you. that. That's very nice. So, did you marry into this fandom, or I uh, did marry into it. I mean, yeah. I know I watched the show before, but I definitely married into it. We've been together for quite a while now, so I've seen seen it all the way through. I don't know how many times. And really, he does turn it on every night, so we get however long until you fall asleep <laughs> yeah so, not that it puts us to sleep at all but yeah i hear i hear the comforting. mash i hear the mash song and i'm just yeah. <laughs> no, I, I watch like an episode and a part and then i fall asleep but you know yeah. um, so, i'm on i probably have watched the show i don't through 100 times or something wow yeah wow yeah. Yeah. no it's wow. it, it's a great show it's one of those i know we all have a lot of shows that we watch and are, are good shows that we watch many times through but mash is definitely one of them whenever it comes on you just even if you're flipping the channels and it's there, you just you watch it. I'm going to ask you not it's your favorite show, but do you have a favorite moment from a show that you kind of remember and it sticks with you? So the Christmas ones, like with Charles giving the chocolate chocolate to the the orphanage, yeah, that's a pretty outstanding memory. Yeah, anything with Igor really is, of uh, course. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. you know, he's kind of saying that. You know, <laughs> they kind of downplay him, but really, I think he's the star of the show. Well, uh, you know, finally, an intelligent human being steps up to the mic. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, yes, an expert marksman with a cannon. Of course, yeah. <laughs> that happened right out here. <laughs> the char marks are still over there. For me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like to be here on the 50th it's it's pretty awesome we we came here one other time but to be here it's it's special we are very excited when i got the notification of having the event today so well yeah. we have the, the the park department to thank we have uh, brian to thank for that yes. because he has worked uh, tirelessly to try and help you know fund a little bit of the folks that need funding to help keep yes. this property that's uh, great. A- awake and alive and and visible for all of us because otherwise it'll be overgrown with tumbleweeds and coyotes it really would right. so they work very very hard to do it uh and so we we owe a debt of gratitude 
gratitude to them. Absolutely. But thank you so and much. For thank you. And in. thanks for your podcast. We look so look forward to it every couple of weeks. Oh, you know, here. it's so great when, when that comes out. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Ian Ramsey. Ian, where are you from? I'm originally from upstate New York. Uh, and uh, what brings you here today? Uh, being a hardcore MASH fan. Yeah. So I am 35 years old and yet still considered on the younger side of, of the fandom. But um, it goes all the way back to my freshman year of high school. So I had to be 14 or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably a very familiar story where my parents would watch the reruns on TV from time to time. And I just considered it, oh, that old boring show. So I didn't think much of it, but they watched it so much that I started to pick up on a few things. And then eventually I found how poignant it was, but also how funny it was. So I watched a couple of the later episodes only to realize, oh, these earlier seasons have brand new characters and the show is hilarious. And that just absolutely hooked me in. Looking back on it, it's interesting that the early 2000s was like the prime time to recruit a new generation of MASH fans because um, it was on FX for an hour every day after school at five o'clock and they would do marathons constantly Mm -hmm. at the time, like literally 24 hours of MASH. So it was between that and the DVD releases, it was the perfect time to be a new young MASH fan. (laughs) Now you're an old young MASH fan. Exactly. (laughs) The the younger elders. Yeah, you're you're the old, (laughs) yeah, younger elder. Wow. Is this your first time out here to the uh, the ranch? Uh, third time, actually. Third. Uh, third time in three years. Um, when yeah, when the pandemic hit and we were all quarantined in L.A. Because now me and my girlfriend live in L.A. Just looking for things to do and picking as many hikes as we can go on. It's like, oh, might as well go to the MASH site, which I've never done. And uh, this, the second time I was here... And you guys read my Facebook post on the podcast. I had jumped off that big rock over there oh, and split, split my your pants. pants. That was <laughs> yep. you. Okay. I, yes. <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> so I just shamelessly posted that on Facebook. Yes. And Photos now my, of that are available, I think, for $10. At the gift shop, yes. Yeah. I'll stay for autographs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we were talking earlier, uh, your girlfriend, you're introducing her to MASH, and she's introducing you to... To the Golden Girls. Ah. Ah, okay. So we've been doing, uh, while, while having lunches, doing a cultural exchange. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a win-win because Golden Girls is hilarious. It's a great, it's a great show, show, too. And... Yeah. We're going to start a Golden Girls podcast now. So. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you for doing this. And thank you for the podcast. Um, I'm sure this kind of reawoken my fandom. Not that it needed awakening, but uh, it created a new surge, definitely. And I'm sure a lot of people can say the same. This is incredible. Very kind. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi. Introduce yourself. My name is Joanna Gorman. I'm from San Diego. And what brings you here today? I love the show. And also, I just had to pay my respects. It's 50, and I was two years old when it came out, so I'm outing, aging myself. Um, (laughs) So I watched it in reruns. And then, like, the later seasons, I was able to watch that, you know, live with my family. And my dad was career Navy. Hmm. So they would always, when Margaret would talk about her dad and this military life, my dad would always turn to us kids and say, did we make you do that? Like, (laughs) were we hard on you like that? Yeah, you were. (laughs) Yeah, you were. Yeah, entire military family. And my late husband was in the military. And he loved MASH, too. But that was before... Well, he was deployed all the time, so it was before all the DVDs and the VHS tapes, I guess you could say. So what's it like being out here at the ranch? It's it's so comforting to me. Um, my late husband's birthday is next week, so I thought this would be like a nice way to just come up here and 
you know, honor his memory and just think about him and think about the show. And the thing about the show was like my dad, you know, he went to Vietnam twice. He did two tours. Mm. So um, he was really able to relate to obviously what was going on in the show. And conversely, my mom would relate to all the letters and she stayed behind and wrote letters. And then I stayed behind when my husband was in the Gulf War and wrote letters and things like that. So we were, you know, we could relate to the show like that. My goodness, you really do have a serious military history, don't you? Yeah. How did that relate to MASH? Did it, Did you watch it and say, oh, gosh, they're they're very accurate or they're not accurate? Or my, dad, my dad said it was frighteningly real. He actually, oh, wow. there were some episodes that he couldn't watch, but he did end up circling back and he was able to watch it. And he would say, yeah, that's what it, it was like. My dad said, I wasn't a drinker, but if I were, I would have been exactly like Hawkeye and Trapper. In fact, he did. He he used to make his own hooch on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then his own still. He did have his own still. Okay. So. She whiz. <laughs> and then I think I mentioned to you guys that um, I'm a librarian. So when um, the pandemic started and people were kind of getting the idea that the world was going to start shutting down, they ran to the library. And like, I have not seen MASH on our shelves in ages. Every time it comes in, it goes out. But it was gone for like a good year and a half. Like Like the DVDs, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. I think you mentioned Bonanza in um, the last, I think you mentioned it like- Yeah, because we were talking about Pernell Roberts. Yeah, Yeah. the top 50. It was Bonanza and MASH. (laughs) Really? Those are the two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, they both had good theme songs. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Very much And, and so. I think people just kind of went back to what they were familiar with and yeah. comfortable with in that time. And the humor. My parents, my dad said, you have to find one thing, if it's just one thing in your day and like the kind of days that they had in the yeah. camp, you had to hold on to it. And the show really showed me that. Wow. Good things to say. All right. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Howdy. Okay. Well, introduce yourselves. Okay. My name is Chris Seaton, and and I'm Bonnie Seaton. Chris and Bonnie Seaton, mm-hmm. and Patreon VIPs. Thank yes. you. Yes. Actually, came to Mash through the movie. Really? I was 15 at the time that the series premiered. Previously to that, you know, the book was out and the original movie was out. I looked old enough to get in, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and. uh Actually, you know, saw it a couple of times and then looking through the TV guide one day, I see MASH and I'm going, ah, how are they going to do this on television? Should be interesting. So I watched it and I'm like, where is everybody? I only recognized Gary Berghoff. Ah, yeah. And at first I was perturbed by it. But then we started, when I started watching it, it was the stories. It was the writing. And that's what hooked me. MASH was the reason I wanted to learn to write. And from there, I tried it for about a year or so. But life gets in the way, and you got to support your family. Yeah. So I went in another direction. And welcome to screenwriting. Yeah. <laughs> right? You got to do a couple things. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing that. I was working in props. I was restoring props. I was uh, working with modeling and stuff. And then I kept taking that on, which takes me to... I started collecting props. I've been doing it for over 40 years. Hmm. Nash was probably when I first started. Didn't even realize it. I had some pictures, and from there, my mom would get something, you know, and I put it away. Then, well, there's TV guides. So I started going there. When I could finally afford it, 
I started collecting the real props. Jeff, we've met before. We met before, and you threw down a, a uh, tray mm-hmm. <laughs> that I saw many, many, many times uh, on the set. And mm-hmm. there, that was a real accurate Army tray, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's from, it was one that I purchased. Yeah. Back in around 2012 or something like that, they were starting to sell out a lot of props. There were ladles and everything, and I was going after certain stuff. And one of the other pieces that I went after, but I didn't acquire, was Harry Morgan's hat. At the time, the bid was into about $500. I was matching it. Everybody hit the button at once, and it actually sold for like $896. I have my hat here. It's uh, good <laughs> 38 bucks. You can have this one. <laughs> all right, 35 bucks. I don't know. It's all right. So what is, uh, of, of your MASH collection, what's the big piece? The big piece is from my wife's favorite episode. Bonnie, <laughs> let us know. What is it? It's from uh, the... The trial for Henry Blake, mm-hmm. the um, the big the big red bird the with the star- pink yes, feet. yes. He, that's my yes. favorite episode, <laughs> one of them. And Dreams is my other one. Oh wow, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have from that? I actually have Jamie Forrest's hat, the the pilot's hat, the goggles. It took a while to research it to get it on. I found pieces to keep it accurate, so I put it on a Muslim head, mounted it in a stand, and then Bonnie helped because we were looking out, you know, we need to find the fuzzy slippers, and then we said, ah, now we got to put a scarf on it, you know, and then we put it all together from there. I also make replica props, too, and some of my replicas are of uh, Gary Berghoff's hat with his captain's bars on it. Mm -hmm. I met George Went a few times. I never brought the uh, pool ball. Now, it's a replica. It's not the real one. But what I did was I put it together with other pieces, and I found a chalk holder for pool sticks, and I had it engraved, Private LaRoche. Nice. So it sits there, and then the next time I see George Wendt, I'll have him sign that off. Very nice. I know I have at least 100 autographs from the original show. Most of the major cast, some of the smaller cast has been harder to find, like Kelly and Roy. But uh, I'm always looking, I'm always, you know, going after something. But the big ones, yeah, John Ritter, all them mm-hmm. I have. Wow. Nice. You know, talking about MASH, it's because you're, you know, associated with the show and love the show and appreciate your show and respect the show. And so that really goes into the passion about getting all of those props, that That's memorabilia. Exactly it. Yeah. It's the hunt. It's yes. the hunt, yeah. <laughs> and then once you have it, there's the gratification, but what's next? What's next? Hey, well, thank you so much for coming out here, and thank you. I saw you at the last that yeah. show in Burbank and loved to meet you, and that was wonderful. I saw the stuff that you brought for Jamie. Yes. <laughs> it was just wonderful to see. Yes, and don't forget, I have Radar's Bugle. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Well, thank you both for being here. Oh, thank you for having us. us. True delight. Thank Thank you. you. Hi there. Hi. What's your name? I'm Ryan. (laughs) Ryan. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great name you have. How, How are you? Where are you from? I'm from Portland. Portland. And I think my story is just like yours. When I was growing up, I'm just a little bit older than you. Uh-huh. When I was growing up, if MASH was airing, it was on the TV. Yep. No matter where I was. If mm-hmm. I was at my house, a friend's house, my grandmother's house, mm-hmm. MASH was on TV, it was on the TV. And then it was about 10 years ago, I just flipping through, oh, MASH is on. And then that just became more frequent and more frequent. Next thing you know, I'm looking it up and I'm following me TV every, every episode that's on. Mm-hmm. And... I want to ask other listeners, if anyone else is like me, I don't like watching it on Hulu. I like watching it on MeTV because then I know I'm watching it with other people. 
Huh. I'm hopefully I'm not the only one. Well, I'm sure you're watching it with other people. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know a lot of people like to watch it on MeTV. Absolutely. Yeah. So what connected with you at an early age? Oh, uh, it, it had a good sense of realism, mm-hmm. especially in the later years. Where they got away from the stereotype so much. I know, like, again, with, you know, uh, Ogden Steers playing his character, he, was, he wasn't, yeah. he was the bad guy, but he wasn't the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He was actually really cool guy. Mm-hmm. You just had to like him, even though you didn't like him. We all know yeah. those people, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> In <Right>. real life, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you been out here before to the... No, I've been wanting to come out here for years, and then you guys threw this together at the last minute, because I figured it'd be canceled because of the pandemic, and it's like, I gotta go. We gotta go. So we drove 17 hours from Portland. Holy cow. Well, uh, thank you for being here. I hope it's lived up to your expectations. Yeah. I mean, I actually cried a little going up there with looking radars, a little viewpoint. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I cried a little, too, when I got here. It's a, it's an amazing thing, what it does to me emotionally, to see this. You know, I haven't been here in about 15 years, and... uh you know, everybody spent a lot of time uh, around and there was a lot of really good, passionate work done here. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a quite a thing to see it again and to experience it. Yeah. And thank you for being here. I'm glad it I'm glad it touched you emotionally because that's it means a lot to me to hear that. I, I'm, I appreciate that. I'm well, the, hello, gentlemen. Well, hello. hello. Introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Jason. I came all the way out here to hear the ad-free version of the podcast. <laughs> so that's why we're here. Well, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here because yeah. I've been a fan of Jason's for a long time. Before Mash Matters, even, I found a podcast called Grumpy Old Geeks, and it is one of my go-to podcasts. It's the one I listen to all the time, every every time it comes out, every week it comes out. And Jason, you and uh, your, your co-host, Brian. Uh, how long have you been doing that podcast? A little over, I'm trying to remember now, it's like nine and a half years, yeah. something wow, like that. Wow, that's yeah. a long yeah. podcast. 500 and some odd episodes. Just episode 570 yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. For, for those who have not heard the podcast, what is Grumpy Old Geeks? Grumpy Old Geeks is a podcast about what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. <laughs> we got a lot of material. And it, it is. <laughs> we got a lot of material. And it is what it is. It's two uh, guys who are just a little uh, more cynical and yeah. uh, seasoned tech veterans. Yes, yes. Uh, It's a great podcast. And you've been involved with podcasting for many years. You're kind of one of the OGs in the podcast world. 10, 11 years, 12 years, something like that. It's all fades into the background. You've produced a lot of uh, big podcasts. and Mm -hmm. uh, That's how we got introduced. Yes. Through through your podcast. Yes. Uh, I can't remember why you were writing me, but then you did. And then I was like, I remember, Mash. I loved that show. And then I started (laughs) watching it again and, you know, worked my way through it because we had the Cheeto and Chief in the office at that time, and I needed something happy in my life, so I would go to bed and watch three or four episodes every night and forget about CNN. Yes. It was great. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who would like to forget about CNN. (laughs) It's not my opinion, but I think that's probably true. You recently opened a podcast studio. Yes, I did. Tell us about that. It's just a big old room with microphones where guys like us can sit around, and gals too, and we're all inclusive, and uh, do podcasts. Where is it? It is in Woodland Hills, California. And what's the name? Uh, Jason's podcast studio. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> wow, well, that's original. I, I, I call it the office. Can people like rent it, or how does if they're it so inclined? Okay. Nobody, nobody has jumped up and down yet because everybody likes to podcast from home, which I do not think anybody should do. I think you should come to a fine studio and and do it there. But uh, yeah, if, if anybody's interested and wants to come record, you can uh, hit me up at Jason.fyi and uh, drop me a note. 
come on by. And cool. Grumpy Old Geeks every week. GOG.show. That's yeah. right. And thank you for coming out here. So for the folks who are listening, uh, you don't know the backstory here. I reached out to Jason because I was a fanboy. And when it comes to tech and stuff, I'm, I'm kind of clueless. And I wanted some recommendations on how to uh, record out here at the ranch. In the where, middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere with no electricity and, you know, and, and, and needing multiple microphones. And uh, you graciously offered to come out and do this for us. And we could not have done this without you. So thank you. You're thank you. Thank welcome. you, Jason. It's very it is. fun to come out. And we have uh, my assistant, Brian Blondell. Brian. There. And your dad came in, too. And my right? dad flew in from Chicago last wow. night. Yeah, that's come, awesome. To come do this thing because this is just I've always wanted wanted to come out here and you know it's right up the road but now this was a good opportunity to yeah. well <laughs> you uh, you guys were uh, working a little today doing this but i hope it was fun anyway to oh, see this so much see this area and see the so set and everything fun. all right so thank if you, you need a pod you, if you want to do a podcast and you're uh, in the area here in, in southern california hit jason up and jason.fyi yep, drop me a note go see his uh, podcast studio and you don't necessarily have to be grumpy to do it either. no, <laughs> no. no. anybody no, i like right? the counterbalance you must <laughs> smile to come in <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Hello, hello. Hello. Introduce yourselves. I'm Ashley. I'm Zachary. Where are you from? Uh, we live in Oregon right now. Well, thank you for making the trip. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Is this your first time to the uh, the ranch? It sure is, and it's gorgeous. What's it like to be here as a fan, but also to be here on the 50th? Uh, really surreal. Just walking up here and being able to pick out spots. You're like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great to just recognize stuff. Um, wife's a huge fan of it, and I enjoy watching the show with her. She's probably watched it, I don't know, hundreds of times. She's got me to watch through the whole season and episodes one by one, and the movie and everything, and just trying to catch me up. <laughs> His favorite is Colonel Flag. Any episode he's in. Colonel <laughs> Flag. It was very funny. That was a great character, and... uh Winter. Uh, Ed, Edward Winter. Edward Winter, yeah. He was yeah. so good at that character and created uh, I, I definitely embodied it when I was uh, when I was going through the military. Uh, I, went, I went in as a military police officer, and hmm. we were we had just started watching a lot of the MASH episodes before I went in. And um, I can still remember we were at a, I'm a basic training, and she's sending me um, letters. And I got she sent me pictures of Colonel Fly. Yeah. <laughs> everyone else is like, why are you getting pictures of some guy dressed up in a uniform? Is that your uncle? Who's that? I'm like, no, it's from a TV show. Yeah, my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Being a military a police, I'm sure you've probably ran into some Colonel Flags in your time, didn't you? It is very true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your connection with MASH. Where did you first find it? Uh, my grandmother got me into it. Uh, we were just hanging out one day and she said, oh, you've never seen this? You're going to love it. And I didn't know how much I was going to love it. The first episode we watched was the one with the bathtub and Klinger okay. wearing the fur coat through the whole thing. So yes. from there on, it just flew. Uh, I watched the whole series when I was in high school and and then I ended up going to military college and loving it on a whole new level. Mm. And then I became a registered nurse. And oh, my gosh. I love it on another level. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it just grows and grows and grows. <laughs> was uh, was MASH an influence on you to become a nurse at all? Um, I think it was. Watching the nurses on the show and seeing the work they did, it really inspired me. Then the military aspect of it was just icing on the cake, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I wrote a fan letter to Alan Alda at one point, thanking him and saying, wow, you really inspired me to do this with my life. And I'm glad I did. How cool. 
Yeah. How cool. And, and, and Alan and Loretta, they've talked about that on the podcast, the letters that they would get. And that, that means a lot, I know, to them to get those letters to say that what you did impacted my life and my career. You know, a lot of people, you know, uh, become nurses based on uh, Loretta Switz's efforts. And I've never heard anybody becoming a food server based on Igor's work. <laughs> I don't get that. Well, that's you? because they're in prison now for manslaughter <laughs> because of the food that they made. Yeah, a lot of the food that comes out of the cooks is not that good. You know, it's mostly powdered sugar and powdered eggs. And powdered eggs. Powdered everything. Powdered everything. <laughs> Dehydrated. And... Yeah. You can't powder it, cream it. <laughs> <laughs> but not the corn. Don't cream the corn. Don't uh, cream the right corn. Here, <laughs> Hello, Megan. Hello, Ryan. <laughs> have you met Jeff? Oh, I have. Hi, Megan. You? So you are. A, you uh, didn't say hello, Jeff, the same way you said hello, Ryan. Hello, Jeff. Okay, I'll go for that. <laughs> Thank you. You've been just like a ball of emotions out here today, haven't you? Yeah, it's not been great. I mean, it's been wonderful, but uh, yeah, I've cried. I think I'm at 17 times, which is below what I thought. Well, you still have time. Yes, I do. I know the day is young. Our, our goal is to make you cry during this interview at least. You might twice. Actually, uh, I would. Yeah. Not well, we know. make our listeners cry. So yes, why not we have that. Em- we have that effect on people. <laughs> so, Megan, um, you've been a longtime listener and supporter of the podcast. Thank yes. you for that. Yeah. Um, tell us your mash story. I mean, so we hear the same things a lot, right? My parents, my grandparents, my aunt, uncle, second cousin, twice removed, got me into it. Um, I had the same thing. You know, my dad is still alive. He, you know, alcoholic, had an, you know, a lot of issues and MASH was my comfort zone. So from 10.05 to 11.05 on Fox 25:48, my brother James and I on our bunk beds would, would watch MASH at the lowest level so dad couldn't hear us because we would have gotten in trouble. Mm-hmm. So it was just something that saved me from probably doing a lot of horrible things as an adolescent, if I'm completely honest with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I heard an interview with Jamie Farr saying that you know, they write me saying that I became a nurse and a doctor because of MASH, but nobody ever says that they became an actor because of MASH. And I will be that person. My dream, as Alan was in a couple of episodes with his father, my dream was to be in a play with my dad, who is an amazing actor. We got to be in a play together. Hmm. So Aww. that was my, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yep. So we've been doing theater my whole life. And so there you are, Jamie, wherever you are. <laughs> he's I'm in Maryland today. I yeah, he's in Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what was the play? And then there were none. I think he Agatha played. Christie, yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. I was Vera and he was Horgrave. So if you know the, the story at all. We're... No, no spoilers. Okay. Well. No spoilers. Yes. Things happen. Let's Things just say that. do yeah. happen. So you live in uh, Wisconsin. I do. And uh, you have a, another connection with the show on a culinary level. Yes. Tell us about that. So I'm kind of a nerd. So I have MASH on in the background until I get to the finale. So I'll, you know, watch the episodes while I'm doing housework or homework or work or whatever. Um, it just plays in the background. But once I get to the finale, I make a day of it and I make a traditional Korean meal just to kind of honor that stewardship between South Korea and America during that really tumultuous war, um, police action. Mm-hmm. But I actually, the time before last, I made food from your cookbook. 
Oh, thank yeah. You. So and gas passes. And you lived. I did. Yes. I creamed weenies, you guys. I am telling you, you have got to try it because it is honestly really good. <laughs> it is surprisingly good. And if you need to add a little bit of vegetation in your life, add some spinach. And it is deli- it really is honestly delicious. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, it's I so might good. include that in the next edition. Oh, boy. Oh, I'll, oh I'll give you gosh. credit. That's amazing. Wow. I don't need credit. Just do it. I might even, uh, you know, can cream weenies with spinach. Mm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, franchise. Yeah. And the last time you made, was it? I 100% cannot pronounce it, and I'm not even going to try, but it's broth-based stew that has a bunch of lovely mushrooms, and it's over rice with a lot of chili oil and it sounds spicy, but it's really not. And it is the uh, meal that I did a little bit of deductive reasoning and research on that was featured in the episode Hawkeye when he crashed his Jeep and stayed with that Korean family that he couldn't understand and mm-hmm. they couldn't understand them. Uh, they served him food. And they served him yeah. food. And he got really, he was like, oh my gosh, this is really spicy. So I have a couple of friends that live in Korea who are from America who teach English over there. Mm. So I'm like, hey, this is a really weird request. Can you look at these like screenshots and this like little you bit are of a video? Nerd. How about that? You know, and it's indelible. <laughs> it's now. a good thing. Yeah, it's look at the tattoos. Now. Yes. But yeah, so I, you know, emailed a couple of friends and kind of we deducted that it was that meal. And like I said, it's about a hundred letters long, but it's so good. It's so good and warming and just the perfect thing to do when you're crying, watching Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. Oh, <laughs> well, it's a nice tradition. Yeah, that it's you have. super fun. Yeah. And you made the trip all the way out here. I did. This is your first time. It is my first time. And I planned this with my friend Kelsey, who um, lives in the area. We became friends over Alan Alda's podcast. Um, clear and vivid. We are Patreon subscribers to that as well. And um, we met each other and we came, became fast friends. And we decided that this was something we were going to do anyway. And then this came up and then I got to meet Ryan and I'm Jeff. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so it's just, it is 100% the biggest dream come true. I will remember this for the rest of my life. And I'm not even sad about being like emotional over it. Wow. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Thank I you, Megan. I appreciate you both more than you will ever, ever, ever know. Wow. Thank you, Thank Megan. you. Thank you, Megan. That's beautiful. Thank you. Wow. There you go. Our conversations with MASH fans at the 50th anniversary celebration at Malibu Creek State Park. We have some special people to thank. First of all, Eileen Saki yeah. came out and joined us. Rosie, 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 Rosie. Th- that was a surprise. We knew she was coming. We got confirmation the night before that she was going to stop by, but we didn't tell anybody. So it was a really nice surprise for everybody who was there. And Zan Dubin, who we had also on the podcast, uh, Charlie's daughter, she came by. And Richard Lee Sung's son, yes. Russell, yes. also came by. And the sad thing is we were so busy, <laughs> we didn't really get a chance yeah. to talk to any of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's that was unfortunate, but time was flying by. Yeah. I felt terrible about that. Yeah. 
Also, this is a very big thank you. And I know we interviewed him on the podcast here, but Jason DeFilippo and his friend Brian Blondell, they came out and recorded this audio for us at the ranch. And I cannot express to you enough. We could not have done this without them. There is no electricity out there. And so Jason and Brian, they came out and set everything up. We talked for almost two hours with everybody. What you heard were just snippets of these interviews. He had the equipment to do it with no electricity, and that was studio quality recording. There is no way that I or anybody could have done what Jason and Brian did. So our eternal thanks to them for coming out. And we talked about Jason's podcast. You'll find links to those podcasts in our show notes for this episode, including his brand new podcast, which just started recently as a daily tech podcast. And you can find the links there at mashmatters.com. Well, we should listen to that daily uh, tech podcast. Maybe we could learn how to do it and we won't need Jason. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he can sit in his underwear at home. He doesn't have to drive out. There. Just like we do when we do this podcast. Right. <laughs> Oh, don't that. So <laughs> had he not been there, you would have heard this. That's exactly right. Thank you, Jason. One more person to thank, and that is Dan Harrison. Yes. Again, you heard him on the podcast. We interviewed him briefly, and we hope to have him back on the podcast to talk more about Larry Gelbart and his relationship with him. Dan is the executive vice president of entertainment at Fox. And the day before the 50th anniversary, you and I, you surprised me with a trip. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> you just said, hey, we're going to take a drive. I'm going to come pick you up and we're going to take a drive. And I said, okay. And I had no idea. I had no clue where we were going. We drove for like, you know, 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden we're sitting at the uh, front gate at the Fox Studios. I remember saying, look, there's 20th Century Fox. And you went, what? Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Huh? They're normally yeah. very articulate, Ryan Patrick went, what? <laughs> I had no clue. I was gobsmacked by the whole thing because we got in and then Dan Harrison, he walked us around and gave us a personal tour of the back lot. And it was the MASH tour. He took us to all these really cool places on the back lot where uh, MASH happened, including Stage 9. Now, unfortunately, we did not get to go inside Stage 9 because 911, that's the show that's shooting there now, was actually filming that day. But just to stand outside of Stage 9 was enough for me. <laughs> was it fun, really? I mean, getting, I mean, basically oh it's a big yes. uh, lot with a bunch of buildings on it. And yes. Really, but it really was, you really had a sense of, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. huh? Oh you my really gosh. Did. Yes. Oh, I, I, I'm fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff and just walking around there and knowing that this is history. This is where mm -hmm. this was shot. And, uh, you know, and, and then you like pointed out at the building across uh, from stage nine, which is where the bathrooms were because you didn't have bathrooms in in stage nine at the time and so you showed me where the bathrooms were and then dan is also taking us down like this alley and pointing out the spot where he is pretty sure they buried the time capsule that was then dug up so that they could pour this giant foundation for this hotel i mean stuff like that i'm a nerd i love that kind of stuff you know he took us over to uh to larry gelbart's old office building and jeff you and i we got to stop by the building 
where you worked yes. uh, in, in the print shop. The print shop, yes. And I showed you where yeah. uh, Igor was actually born in a different uh, different time period, but Igor was born there. Yes. When I would wrap a chain around my leg and leap out at the tour buses and <laughs> yes. Igor. Yeah. We talked so. about that a long time. There's an episode called uh, How Igor Got His Name we did a few years ago. Check that out because he tells the whole story. It's great. But that's where it happened. So it was, it was fascinating. And then to sit and talk with Dan in his office for another hour just talking about mash and hearing stories about larry gelbart and i mean just i was in mash heaven so thank you for a weekend that i will never forget you know what i also loved was the going in the commissary i hadn't been in there hundred and oh yeah years. And that big yes. beautiful mural that they have around the whole oh it's gorgeous commissary it's really good. and you know the food was really good in there <laughs> it was really a good restaurant. So, you know, they did really well, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I too, I was kind of a kid in the candy store as well. It's really emotional for me to go back and stand on that ground and look at all the buildings where I used to romp around and do crazy things. I, I'm sorry that we didn't get a chance to go into the quote executive building. They may call it something different now, but the executive building is where I used to run amok with John Landis as mail boys. <laughs> <laughs> go in there and show you where we did crazy things. But next trip, we'll go there. Next trip. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was fun. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to these interviews from the ranch. And thanks to everybody who came out. And we are planning the 100th anniversary as we speak. So get ready. All right. I'll go ahead and get my plane tickets. Yeah. By then, we'll have just teleports to get us out there, right? Oh, that'd be cool. I like that yeah. idea. Teleport. Yeah. No more airplanes. Just... <laughs> and there you are. Yeah. And we just... <laughs> And there we are at the studio. I like this. And until then, here's looking up your old address. <laughs>